start out with just a, a little anecdote and, and my my apologies to uh, my own family and also uh, a few people on the call that are part of my congregation because they I, they've heard this before and they may be getting tired of it as an illustration and wondering how much gas mileage can a person get out of a of a single illustration but uh, when I worked uh, years ago in a factory job, um, I was on a conveyor belt early in the morning, uh, 4 a.m. to 8 a.m. And uh, when I was hired, they were trying to figure out where they were going to place me. Uh, there was a couple of different positions open. They said, well, we might put you up at the front, but I've got to warn you, you'll be in the midst of three women that that cuss like sailors. And uh, they're, uh, you know, they're, they're a bit of a challenge. And that's where they decided to put me, and uh, they they were not uh, they were not joking. Uh, that was indeed what it was like, and uh, I you know dealt with this uh, every day with the dirty jokes, the foul music, the the blasphemies of God's name, and it wasn't just them. It was routine for pretty much all the workers. Um, one day, uh, I guess I had reached the end of my rope of hearing all the, the the taking of God's name in vain and the blasphemies and so forth. And as I walked into the truck that I was loading, I was filled with a anger that I think was a holy anger. The, the vast majority of times that I'm angry, it's just sin. But in this case, I don't think it was because it was uh, for God's name. And I was just so... Um, angered by the continual misuse and abuse and blasphemy of his name. And a, a prayer just came to my mind, Lord, shut her mouth. And um, I continued on with the shift and that nothing happened uh, that I recall right away. But this was on a Friday. Uh, when I went to work Monday, she wasn't there. And uh, Tuesday, she wasn't there. Wednesday, she wasn't there. Thursday, she wasn't there. Friday, she wasn't there. I asked somebody, you know, where, where's, what's wrong with her? Uh, she's sick. Um, she came back the following Monday and uh, she didn't speak a word the entire shift, nor did she for the whole subsequent week. And um, I spoke to her at one point and she said, that is the sickest I have ever been. And uh, I don't think that was a coincidence. I don't think that she just happened to get sick. I think it was an answer to prayer. Um, I wrestled with whether or not to tell her that, that, well, the reason you're sick is because I actually prayed that God would shut your mouth. Maybe I should have. I don't know. I felt at the time, uh, this is over 20 years ago, I felt at the time that this was really more a lesson for me. But uh I want to now direct your attention to Luke 18, one through eight. And um, of course the, the Psalms are full of what are called imprecatory prayers and uh, different people handle those differently. And there's different views regarding them, but uh, it's uh, sometimes they're called imprecatory Psalms, which I think is really a mischaracterization because the vast majority of Psalms have at least some level of imprecation in them. But rather than to spend a, a short time, you know, uh, going through that, I want to jump to the New Testament because that answers some of the questions. Was that just an Old Testament thing? Uh, was that unique to the Old Covenant? And I, I think the answer is no. And uh, Luke 18, 1 through 8 is a passage that we're all well familiar with. It has been 
uh, invoked a few times over the prayer sessions because of the emphasis on persistence that we see Jesus teaching in the parable of the persistent widow. And indeed, that is what it always jumped out to me from this parable is persistence. Don't give up. Uh, keep at it. Uh, prayer requests are not as quickly. Oftentimes, God makes us wait. Um, he makes us persevere in it before he gives the answer. But I would also want to point your attention to the fact of what, what it is that the widow's praying for and would suggest to you that that's not incidental or that that's not just something that, you know, Jesus just sort of tossed that in there as a, um, as a potential request, but wasn't, um, wasn't really part of the teaching. Um, like you could have substituted anything in there and that uh, took out the perseverance is required. Um, I think the prayer for justice we see in the, in the, in the parable is actually important as well. Uh, Luke 18 verse one, he was telling them a parable to show them at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart saying in a certain city, there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. There was a widow in that city, and she kept coming to him, saying, Give me legal protection from my opponent. For a while he was unwilling, but afterward he said to himself, Even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now will not God bring about justice for his elect? Uh, KJV says, avenge his elect who cry to him day and night. And will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? What kind of faith? Just faith in general or faith that calls on God for justice. And you can see by the way he wraps it up that justice is actually central to the point um, he will bring about justice for his elect, but they have to call on him for it and have to persist in it. Um, we also see that one, one can do this and it not be sin. Uh, certainly, if I'm praying for justice it, um, and all I have in mind is my own personal uh, feelings and how I've been taken advantage of and abused and I just want to get back at somebody, then the prayer is, is not a sanctified prayer and God is not likely to hear it anyway. But in Revelation 6, 9 through 10, we see souls in heaven who have no more sin. And what are they praying? Uh, in the, They are the souls that have been slain because of the word of God and because of the testimony which they had maintained. And they cried out with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, Will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell on the earth? And so those things can be prayed with pure motives. And that's what we see happening there. And I, I don't think it's an accident either or coincidence that in the book of Revelation, when the bowls are poured out earlier, the bowls are described as the, the incense of God's prayers that ascend into heaven. And God collects the prayers of his people as incense and they're in a bowl and then the incense is poured out and then all hell breaks loose on the earth, so to speak, um, with God's justice upon the wicked. So I think these things can coexist in a heart 
that when Jesus said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, one can do that at the same time that they are praying for justice, for God's name to be vindicated and honored in the world. And with respect to the particular woman at, at work, it, you know, I, I, I did not want her to be damned to hell. Um, I didn't want her life to be ruined. I had no idea how God would answer the prayer. Um, I spoke to her, I witnessed to her, and I uh, always treated her respectfully. And so the, uh, the issue of love for her and for her soul was not inconsistent with the do- desire for God to show justice. And uh, one more passage I'll read to you before we, uh, we go to prayer. Isaiah 26, 8 through 10. Indeed, while following the way of your judgments, O Lord, we have awaited for you eagerly. Just what we're doing in these prayer meetings, awaiting God eagerly. Your name, even your memory, is the desire of our souls. At night, my soul longs for you. Indeed, my spirit within me seeks you diligently. For when the earth experiences your judgments, the inhabitants of the world learn righteousness. Though the wicked is shown favor, he does not learn righteousness. He deals unjustly in the land of uprightness and does not perceive the majesty of the Lord. So good things happen when God shows forth his judgments. He is respected rather than God simply being regarded as no one in particular, no one to be concerned about, no one to be uh, worried about what he might do. Um, someone whom you can blaspheme all day long and he'll never say a word. He'll never lift a finger. He'll never do anything. He's a pushover. He's um, somebody that can just easily be disregarded. When that is the prevailing thought of the day, people live like it. They live like the devil. And God's judgments are useful and serve to teach people that indeed he is a God that should be feared and revered in the earth.